Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Guys, welcome to um, what is probably going to be the most important week of the year from a Supercoach perspective with uh, uh, less than so seven days exactly or less than that to uh, Teamless Tuesday. So plenty happening um, at the moment and there's a lot to get through. And this week we're joined uh, by someone a little bit different who we haven't had on in probably about 12 months and Trent Copeland from uh, the Daily Telegraph, but also New South Wales State Cricketer as well. Uh, how are you going, mate? We are just talking offline about how hectic this is going to be for you guys over the next week. Um, how's it all shaping up? Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for having me, mate. And uh, coming off the back of a bloody long, hard-fought slog of a draw in a four-day game in the SCG, all I want to do is focus my attention on Supercoach. So, uh, yeah, no, there's plenty to talk about. I was on the way home from the SCG yesterday talking to Tommy Sangster, the guru, as everyone knows him, uh, about exactly that, how hectic this next seven days is. So much to get through, so many ups and downs with teams and cheapies bowing out and things like that. So let's get into it. I think so, mate. We've got plenty. This, this podcast is going to be huge. Uh, how we'll break this down anyway is we'll jump into the news, so focusing on what's happened in the trials over the weekend. Uh, and see if there's any key uh, items coming out of that. And then next we'll step straight into uh, analysing the halves. So we've been working through a positional analysis over the past uh, couple of weeks in the podcast. And then on the website, we've just started to release a a 6 and 6 series, which is looking at the uh, positions at in-depth. So um, without further ado, mate, let's just jump straight into the news. This is the news. Okay, so there was a big set of trials on the weekend, and we started in uh, the first game, uh, Cowboys versus Storm, at an extremely wet Suncorp Stadium. So from my perspective here, Trent, there's not too much really you can take away from this game, given the conditions. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, something I was really looking forward to was taking a, a keen eye to Jesse Bromwich and, and seeing what he delivered in that night, given how well he'd played the week previous Uh he pulled out of the game due to that virus and, and we didn't get that chance to see him, but his ownership has really gone through the roof in, in recent times uh, uh, and would have been great to get a look at him to see whether we can spend that just over 400 K on him. Yeah. But uh, without him, without him having played, sorry to, to cut in the one thing that I really wanted to see was JT. He looked rusty in game one, but that was to be expected. And in a wet game, he looked a class above as he always is. So for me, that if you had him in your plans already, 
that solidified things. He didn't kick goals, which is a little bit strange. Ethan Lowe managed to shank them from literally right in front, uh, which I think only solidified JT's kicking in my mind. But uh, great to see the great man back and looking healthy, scoring a try, and uh, should be at the forefront of everyone's minds at cut price. I think so, mate. He was the first player picked for me, and that, that won't change. So estimated that he scored around about 100 points on the weekend with lots of attacking stats, which in a uh, in a wet game is incredible. Uh, so Kyle Felt had a hat-trick, uh, so he piled on the points as well. But the other one there, uh, Jesse Bromwich's partner in... Uh, sorry, the, uh, the Jesse Bromwich's counterpart, um, Matthew Scott, uh, produced what I think is around about 49 points. So he's priced... Um, 10 points below his average. Is he some some kind of interest to you at all? Yeah, well, at this stage, it depends on how I think, how you're building your team. If you're if you're someone that likes solidarity, likes reliable points, uh, as opposed to the high upside but, you know, extremely low floor of some of the centres where you can spend your money and in the halves and things like that, Matty Scott's a good cup price option for those that are looking to... Uh, you know, maybe go with four gun center wings, two gun halves, and two gun fullbacks, and have Matty Scott there as 344k in your front row, as opposed to spending 600k on Andrew Fafita, if you get what I mean. So I think he will probably be, you know, that rung down. And um, what is great about that trial performance is that he looks fit. He had the impact on you know, a lot of those runs being over eight meters, and uh, I think at 344k, he's right in the fourth front of minds of people that want to go that way. Yeah, I agree, mate. I um, wrote a front row forward piece which got released on the website today and um, he's someone that I, is only really um, uh, I've become aware of, I guess, of his price of the, since re- writing that article. And, yeah, he's, he's seriously into my considerations at the moment and, and his performance on the weekend uh, was very good. Uh, let's jump uh, off... Sure, mate, and uh, go to Papua New Guinea where the Broncos uh, played. I guess they're playing against the Interest, interest Cup um, side, so you know the competition's not as good as what some of the other teams have played against. But in saying that, a um, couple of key takeaways for me here is Matthew Lodge. Um, you know, once again, proved that he's going to be a, um, a pretty good cash cow that we should be locking in this year. Uh, Anthony Milford returned from injury. And uh, Ziarko also uh, played fullback in the absence of um, uh, uh, Darius Boyd and, and, you know, performed quite well with the line break and, and Corey Oates uh, came off the bench again as he looks to transition to second row. So uh, apart from Lodge, which is the obvious one there, mate, and I'm sure that you're one of many that has him in, in uh, your side, are there any of the Broncos players that you're thinking about at the moment? Yeah, I think, well, the interesting thing come Teamless Tuesday is going to be uh, who's lining up on the wing, <clears throat> pardon me, on Corey Oates' edge. Because, A, it, it's going to be likely a season-long thing. If it's Corey Oates there, then the back row, the mooted back row switch isn't happening and we can forget about that spot altogether. But if it's uh, Asako or Jonas Pearson, then I think both of those got or whoever gets that spot is heavily in contention. Playing outside the likes of Milford on that edge is going to be fruitful for anyone. So uh, I think we have to take note of that, and I would be amazed if whoever gets that spot isn't in the majority of Supercoach sides. Yeah, I think the, the annoying part for me is the Pearson starts at 253000 which isn't cheap at all. Um, so you're hoping that yeah. it's, you know, uh, Ziarko, which is the one that gets it, which would be, which would be much better. 
Yeah, absolutely. And he played really well at fullback. The the you know the disappointing thing is, I guess, well, it's great for Jonas Pearson, but he played so well as well. Uh, admittedly, against the the PNG Hunters, but what they're looking for is a long-term solution that can go a long way towards them winning the competition. So if Fasako is that bloke, uh, regardless of whether he plays fullback in round one with Darius Boyd not there, I think he can still be in contention to play that left edge. So, yeah, it's one to tread carefully with, but at the prices that they're at, I think you've got to go with it. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the Titans versus Warriors. And if that, this had been in the normal NRL season, I'm pretty sure this would have been a game that we all avoided from watching on television. Um, there's not too much going <laughs> on with these sides this year. And, and I guess there's um, some interesting things that are coming out of this. So um, the reports that I read on Sunday was that Bryce Cartwright, um, again, had a bit of a shocker. and uh, followed up on his 20-minute performance uh, in the first trial. But... Looking at his stats, it's actually pretty good. Um, so I've calculated that he's produced about 57 super coach points um, with 17 runs and yeah. 25 tackles. So um, that's certainly um, very nice to hear, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the minutes are the important thing there for me. I think he's too talented not to score well if he's given the minutes. Uh, you know, it was only two years ago that we were talking about him in the frame to play New South Wales origin. So I think with the minutes playing in that middle role where he can roam around the field and, and have an impact like, you know, the coach is talking about, like Greg Bird used to for the Titans. Uh, I think he could be someone that's, you know, at the price he's at, there's very little downside. Last year, I went with him. I bought him again mid-season, which was an absolute idiotic move. Uh, but I, I buy him and I bought him last year because the upside is there to be one of the highest overall point scorers in Supercoach. It's not, can he be... a 50-point average guy, it's a can he be back to his 75 average from 20-plus games two years ago. So I think you would be absolutely crazy not to lock him in from the start. And it says a lot that he's already, you know, the highest-owned player in Supercoach at 55%. But uh, I think if he's named a start at lock and he's playing around that 70-minute mark, you'd be absolutely crazy not to have that number up, up towards sort of 85 90%. Yeah, no, I definitely do agree. And the way that I'm structuring my side at the moment is to have him as kind of my third gun or third even potential keeper um, in my second row. So uh, I know a lot of teams are, are picking him as the fourth um, person in the, the second row. But yeah, I'll be doing exactly or thinking exactly what you have just said and um, hoping that he is at, back to that 70-point-per-game average forward. Uh, I guess other points of note there, so Latu started again. And he produced good basis statistics. So he's nice and cheap this year and, and should find his way into plenty of sides. Well, another um, of the uh, Titans youngsters, mate, so Keegan Hipgrave, someone that I hadn't really known too much about before the weekend. Uh, I think he scored in a high 30s coming off the bench um, in the front row. So it, he just uh, he's another one that we've got as an option, all depending teamless Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, the Titans are a team that are rebuilding. They're a team that are going to give opportunities to young guys to find out who they want to invest long-term in. So, you know, this guy is someone that's got, you know, good base stats. He, he breaks the line. He's got, uh, you know, in underage stuff, he's been a tackle-busting machine. They list him on their website as 102 kgs, uh, 183 centimetres. He's still only 21 years old. So if he can get into that starting 17 come round one, We've got to make sure that it's not just as a placeholder for Jared 
Jared Wallace. And when he comes back, he might be out of the team, but he's certainly one to keep an eye on, maybe not to start with. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so there wasn't too much there from the Warriors, so maybe we'll just move uh, along to the Panthers first, the Bulldogs. And, you know, also here from a Bulldogs perspective, they put on a very genius side. So we'll just focus on the Panthers. And um, what I really took away from this game was that Trent Merrin scored 55 supercoach points in one half. Um, So he was already locked into my side, um, but that's locked him in even more. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to plug the man that I've dubbed uh, my pick of the year this year, and that's Kickout. I I am so excited about this guy. I watched him in the World Cup, spoken to a few guys out of Penrith, and he's been starting on the edge in the trials, but he's been training there all off-season. I think he could be... You know, one of the buys of the year. At bottom price, he's going to be very good anyway. Uh, but I think he could turn into a Corey Harawiranira type player this year for us um, and force the hand of uh, Hook out there to start him and play him big minutes because in the World Cup, he was genuinely unstoppable. So uh, he's a super coach beast. Trent Merrin, great game. Uh, Campbell Gillard looks like he might go to a new level. Um, but I think the one main thing I saw out of this game was steer clear of Josh Mansour. Uh, I don't know about you, mate, but I I think he's overhyped in the sense of being a gun in supercoach. He's never actually averaged over 65 for more, more than a 10-game stretch. So uh, I think he maybe gets the raps for being huge and busting tackles every now and then and, and having a good offload. But I, I still don't see him in the Rapana, not Faluma, uh, echelon of players. No, he's got great base stats, but I guess as well, depending on where Peachy plays, that's really going to uh, impact him uh, tremendously as well. And, um, uh, you know, I think you're right in terms of where he's capped, and, and it's also where the Panthers are going to be this year because um, there's lots uh, up in the air about how they're going to perform. And, and, you know, they didn't do too well against the very understrength Bulldogs um, on the weekend. So, you know, if he's going to get lots of points, then. Um, he's going to rely on the Panthers being a good side too. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we're obviously here to talk about halves today, so let's uh, let's leave the chat about Maloney and uh, you know the the transition that he's going through and what that might entail as well. Sure. Okay, so let's move on. Um, sea Eagles versus the Roosters. So, mate, the Travojevic brothers, how good are they? Uh, they are both um, well and truly enshrined into my side. And, um, you know, having the, the, the double full-back gun strategy, which I'm currently rolling, is definitely having an impact on the rest of my side. But with both of them pumping out huge supercoach scores in the weekend of um, over 80, uh, I can't not have, um, you know, them in my side. No, absolutely. So I think the people that are getting, you know, tricky or getting lured in by pods back there because so many people are picking the same players need to just sit back and think about how good these two can be. So I, I'm i picking them because I think they can be the number one and number two overall point scorers, not just the best fullbacks. I think they could be the highest scoring players in the entire competition in Supercoach. So if that's the case and they were, say, in the halves and in the front row, you just pay up for that. So I, I think Kalen Ponga is someone that's become very in vogue because of, you know, he's this young guy. We don't know what he's capable of yet, and it's so exciting, and he's, you know, 200 grand less. But don't get cute here. I, I think you have to lock in these two because literally their upside is 80-plus for an entire season. 
Yeah, and I, I tend to agree, and particularly with the way the buys have, are structured this year as well, that round one side and getting off to a good start um, is of the utmost importance. And you know, having the likes of these two guys who are going to score points versus um, some more cheaper options, uh, and then there also the someone like a, a Rapana uh, from the start, I think, is going to be critical because you really need to get off to a flyer if you've got any chance this year. Yeah. Uh, so just going back to that actual game itself, I think one huge thing that came out of the game was uh, Takiaho kicking goals. Uh, uh, he started in the prop rotation, may well then shift to playing at lock and play bigger minutes than a normal front rower. Uh, so if he's named in jersey 8 or jersey 10 come round 1, don't freak out. I think he's looking at, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, a regular 60-minute role with the goal-kicking duties at 430k. I think he's a real good option in the Matt Scott, uh, you know, Jesse Bromwich, cut price, uh, you know, Cameron Murray, Jai Arrow, role uh, in terms of your super coach team structure uh, and I think he should be at the top of that list given that he's got the goal kicking duties Yeah mate, I'm pretty keen on TKO he's definitely one of my sleepers um, this year, I guess the only thing that kind of worries me a little bit is um, how they use Frank Paul Nuasala who they've just signed and also Ryan Madison who played big minutes on the edge um, this week and and I guess JWH is such a talent too. Um, it's a big call to say that he's going to come off the bench, but just maybe that's the direction that, that um, they're going in this year. Yeah, it could well be, mate. I'm a Roosters fan, as most people know, and I think I'm just so excited about the prospects that they've got this year, not only in Supercoach, but, uh, you know, the roster they've put together. So uh, a lot of people having a crack at the salary cap, but uh, I think, it, you know, it's going to be bloody exciting to watch out all on. Folds, and I'm, I'm particularly excited to see the impact that Tedesco and Cooper Cronk can have on the likes of a Daniel Tupo. Latrell Mitchell has sky high upside if he if he managed to click, uh, and even Luke Geary, I think, could well be uh, someone that scores seriously well because you add James Tedesco to any team, and their left edge is always exceptional for Super Coach. So uh, anyone on that side, I think, is worthwhile investing in. Yeah, very quiet, very good, mate. Let's just keep the Tupo chat um, on a, to a minimum, thanks, mate. Just uh, keep his <laughs> keep his ownership down, nice, nice and low. So yes, Tedesco scored two tries, and also Latrell Mitchell scored a double as well in that game, and and both of those players have got huge ownership at the moment. Um, moving on to our uh, our second last game or third last game to to, to uh, talk about here, rolling through which is the uh, Sharks and Tigers. So Valentine Holmes at fullback scored 100 points with two tries and plenty of other attacking stats. Um, is he coming into your plans at all? Or you're just happy just to, um, you know, not to go there? No, I think I'm going to steer clear, but it, uh, mainly because I think he's a fantastic player. He's got proven try scoring ability. Um, but my investment in the, the Sharks this year is going to be probably in Paul Gallen, uh, who had... He seems to be evergreen. He just keeps on delivering. Uh, but also the youngster, Sione Katoa. And, you know, Valentine Holmes, Josh Dugan, Matt Moylan, they're all very exciting players. They're all very good, but they're top price players uh, in terms of where they're at for Supercoach. Katoa is, for anyone that hasn't seen him, he is a tackle-busting machine. He gets through a huge work rate from the back. And I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to surprise people. I have him currently starting in my 17 uh, for round one, and I'm completely comfortable with that. I think he's got try-scoring upside as he's shown in the trials, uh, and also last season 
uh, in reserve grade. But the, the tackle busting and, and offload potential is is up there with the best of them. It's much like how people view Tane Milne. If he was to get a start, you know, how he played for the Dragons is what Katawa is going to offer. So I'm very comfortable locking him in, and it's just a bonus that he's priced so cheap. Yeah, and so he scored a try on the weekend and um, I think scored around about 55 points. So certainly lock him in and I agree with you as that fourth um, centre wing option um, you know, does look good and helps out spending the cash elsewhere. Um, so without Paul Gallen in the side, Fafita, as you would expect, went, went big with five tackle, six tackle breaks and 72 points. Um, and then what about Ueli? He came off the bench for 47 points. Um, I know that you raised his statistics um, in a chat that we've got um, as something of note. Is is that something you kind of were expecting or something you were a bit surprised with? Uh, I was a little surprised as given that the, the first trial he was concussed. So I, I actually thought that he wouldn't play in this game. And, and when I saw the stats, I was actually really impressed because I've had him in my team uh, basically since the first draft, given that uh, they've had a lot of senior guys move out of that pack um, obviously, you know, Chris Hyington in particular uh, played reasonable minutes, but they've got an opening there for someone uh, that can come in and be a reliable big man that can have an impact off the bench, much like they lose when Fafita goes off the field. So uh, I think from all reports, that's what is going to be. Um, he, and he's strong. He can have an impact, particularly when there's some tied forwards around the ruck. So... Uh, I'm I'm really excited. At this stage, he's locked in for me. Uh, If he's named in the 17 for the Sharks, he'll be in my team round one. Yeah, ditto for me at the moment. So for the Tigers, Corey Thompson looks like he's secured the starting fullback spot, but at at his price, um, I can't personally have him. But what about Robbie Rochelle, mate? Um, Produced 57 points on the edge um, with both, um, you know, there are some, some players that are coming back from injury uh, on the bench. Is he someone that you're looking at? I know we've been burned by him in the past, but he is priced at only a 27-point-per-game average and dual position. Surely if he's playing um, you know, 50 to 60 minutes, um, he's someone that we need to consider this year. Well, funnily enough, on this podcast 12 months ago, I said that I was going to start with Felice Kafusi as my front row two alongside uh, for feeder and that worked out really well in terms of letting me spend up elsewhere and it was just lucky that I guess Kafusi delivered one of the great rookie seasons so uh, Robbie Rocco is, is very different in that he's not a rookie um, but he's almost priced there and I, I think injury's been the only concern with him yes he's burned us in the past but you need to brush off you know you can't possibly have a never again list in Supercoach because you need to go with value it's like the stock market so if he starts on an edge in round one, he's going to be in my team and he'll likely be my other starting front rower. So uh, guys like him and Matt Lodge, they should be priced much higher. So you, you've got to take what you get when you get a guy like that uh, who can score 57 points in 60-odd minutes, 70-odd minutes, uh, you know, priced at 242K. So I'm all in if he's, if he's named. Uh, and then you can always go down to an impressive rookie after round three if it doesn't work out. Yeah, mate, I'm all in with you if he does uh, make the side for um, Team List Tuesday. So past averages of 51, 56, 50 and 55 um, price at that 27 point per game average. Yes, he's uh, he's got a shocking point per minute ratio, but who cares um, at that starting price if he does get a uh, starting role on the edge. So, um, yeah, he's someone that I'm, I'm, I am definitely looking at. 
Uh, let's move on to the Knights versus Eels, and we'll work through this one pretty quickly. So Ponga, um, you know, was was uh, was pretty good with four tackle breaks and one line break. Um, also, Connor Watson produced the goods as well with one try assist and one line break assist. So that, both those guys will be very, very, very popular. Um, and uh, I'm assuming that you're going to pick Watson, but it doesn't sound like you're going to be picking Ponga. Yeah, no, I'm... I mean, Connor Watson, provided that his name's in the halves, which the, the coach himself has confirmed will happen, I think he, he presents great value. Uh, I think they're going to be much improved. They're going to score more points this year. Uh, and Connor Watson, combined with Mitchell Pearce, is not a new combination for him. You know, they're at a new club, but they're very, very comfortable with what they each offer and where they're going to be on the field. So I think he can be confident in that. Ponga looks really good. As I said before, he's probably the one other alternative to the two guns that you could possibly entertain this season. Uh, he's got huge upside, and if he's kicking goals, he's going to score quite big. Um, the other thing in this game, the Eels, and I think you know, it was great to see Bevan French score huge and, and likely lock in that fullback spot while Gutherson is out. Um, Jared Hayne, are you interested in Jared Hayne at all? Uh, no, I can't go there, mate, but I can uh, understand people that are. Um, so he, he was sensational in the second half when he moved to, to fullback, but um, you know he did start the game in the centres and his stats were pretty poor from that. So I think that's where he, was, he would line up. But you know if we were guaranteed that he was the Eels fullback, then um, that may sway me. Yeah, I, I think so. And the, the other one to mention here, or the two others to mention here, are quite high-owned. Uh, and that's Nathan Brown and Mitchell Moses. Both had pretty disappointing games. So Mitchell Moses won from five with a kicking tee. And, uh, you know, it, whilst he had reasonable performance on field in terms of playmaking, uh, I think he needs to be a, a top-notch goal kicker to be relevant in Supercoach. Uh, and the other one, Nathan Brown, if he plays 70-plus minutes, I think he's gallon 2.0. Uh, I think he's that good and he's underpriced given the start of the season last year and how many low-minute games he had to affect that average. So um, if we know that he's... If we get any confirmation that he's going to play 70-plus minutes or even if you want to observe for the first couple of rounds, I think he should be someone that's high on the priority list to trade in, uh, you know, in that first phase of the season. Yeah, mate. Thank you. I've been waiting for somebody to finally talk some sense about Nathan Brown. He is um, definitely into my calculations (laughs) and... You know, people are just saying, no, career year cannot possibly produce it, but you need to look at those first 10 games of the season when he wasn't playing anywhere near the minutes that he was over the last, you know, 15 or so games. So um, priced where he is, which I think is a fantastic price point, um, you know, he is in my side at the moment alongside the under undervalued uh, second-row options such as Trent Merrin and Bryce Cartwright. And what that does is really opens up um, cash to be spent elsewhere. So... I am um, with you on that, and, and but you know what, we've seen it before when players can you know come out after the career year and then go down to the sixty minutes, which he might do. But let's just have our fingers crossed that he doesn't doesn't do that. Um, moving along to the charity shield and the Rabbitohs versus Dragons, so there were qu- quite a few things to talk about here, and maybe we'll start with Damien Cook. So he produced a fantastic game of the weekend, which. I've estimated over 80 super coach points. And I think he played, or he definitely played over 60 minutes, um, I think. And, um, you know, that, that is very interesting. I'm still very nervous uh, about picking him with Farrah lurking. Uh, did that performance sway you at all? Or is it just too much risk um, flying around? 
Well, it, it certainly convinced me that I think that Seabold will pick him as the starting hooker. And, and given what he said in the offseason, they're going to play an 80-minute hooker. So I think what it does do is solidify in my mind that I think he'll be the name with the jersey number nine on his back, uh, you know, come team teamless Tuesday. Uh, what it doesn't do for me is change the notion of who's the best in the business, and that's Cameron Smith. Uh, and I'm not going to pay 378k for a second hooker in round one. So uh, for me, I don't think you can go past the Smith slash Havili, uh, provided he's named, a combination in round one. The, the extra 200 grand needs to be spent elsewhere other than a second hooker. No, I agree with you, mate, completely. Um, so also for the, the Rabbitohs, their back line um, produced the goods as well. So Dane Gago was sensational in his first game for the, the Rabbitohs. Uh, and Cody Walker performed really well in the halves and basically averaged or scored what he averaged there last year. So uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later on, but he's currently in my side. And then also their new recruit from the Storm, um, Kenna. He uh, scored a try to finish with over 50 points. And around about that 230K, uh, is he in your uh, centre wing at the moment? Uh, he's not at the moment, but he will be the one that I change Tane Milne to if he's ruled out. So uh, I think, you know, in that price range, a starting winger in a team that should be pretty good this year, uh, well, at least much improved from last season, I think you can't really go past him. So, um, you know, great to see him score a try. Great to see that he looks like he's locked in. The other one for me was Mark Nichols uh, starting again. Uh, I think he had a disappointing game in this match, but it looks to me that they trust him. Uh, to name him as a starting prop in both trials so far, and they're not just trials for the Rabbitohs. Both of those games were actually a little bit more than just your average game against you know a reserve-grade opposition or anything like that. The charity shield means a bit to those players, um, and whilst it is a trial run, I think Nichols looks like he's got the trust of the coach. And if he sees 40-plus minutes or even 35 minutes, I think he's going to make plenty of cash for us at 192 grand. Yeah, you'd hope so. And you're right, you pointed out that he didn't have the best games on the, on the weekend. He only made five runs and 17 tackles. So hopefully we get a little bit more output uh, from him. But he's someone that I've also got in my um, squad at the moment. Um, for the Dragons, so Dufty just keeps on performing and you know he could be a real point of difference option at fullback while um, you know, Gareth Woodock also pumped out a massive score with the try assist, the line break assist and two line breaks. So we'll talk about Woodock soon. Don't need to, to go into too much detail, but someone yep. um, that really did perform quite well was Cameron McInnes. So he had a try assist, one line break assist and 37 tackles. So... Um, he could be a, a point of difference at hooker, but again, selecting him over Smith is just um, insanity in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And, and the thing with Damien Cook, like what we didn't touch on is I think he could legitimately average 60-plus. If he plays you know, 80 minutes, I think he's good enough to do that. Cameron McInnes is one of few other guys that can do that. Uh, so what we need to do is be very wary of who these guys are are and what they're capable of so that when we do upgrade that spot later in the season, we pick the right one for that run home when we've got an alternative to Cameron Smith during the buys when he's playing Origin and then also, you know, so that we've got two gun uh, hookers to finish the season. So I think McInnes and Cook likely are going to be two of the top three uh, options outside of Cameron Smith. 
Yep, agree. Okay, so that'll probably do us with the um, the news, mates, from uh, from all the trials, and we should probably get stuck into the uh, the main part of the show, which is the back with the sorry the halves, and and rather than splitting it between five eight and uh, half back, we'll just combine the two due to the uh, the mass amount of dual position players. Um, but before we do that, let's just take a little break, and then um, we'll come straight back into it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so it's the halves. We've run through all the other positions, so this is where we're finishing on, and uh, we're breaking this down between guns, uh, mid-price, and then cheap options. So let's start with the most expensive half in the game, which is Gareth Whittock, um, six hundred forty-seven thousand, uh, and also available at five-eight. So he had a tremendous year last year. Can he back it up, Copes? Well, uh, the interesting question is that he's now got Ben Hunt in that team. He didn't have him last year. He was playing with Josh McCrone in the halves and, and taking on, you know, well, I watch a lot of NBA and usage rate is so big when it comes to fantasy. We'd have had one of the highest usage rates in terms of halves last season. Uh, but it, all in all, it hasn't really mattered to me and his numbers, who he's played with or, or who he's had around him. The last three seasons, uh, I had a look at you know the most consistent players in Supercoach over the past three seasons in terms of games played, points that they've delivered and their average over that period. And Widdit, across all positions, is in the top 10. So played 68 matches, 4,065 points, an average of 60. Uh, it just goes to show that I think he's got rid of that up-and-down nature of his game and, and he seems to have found a home at the Dragons uh, with the goal-kicking in a much improved offense that who would have thought they'd be one of the highest scoring teams last season. So I think you can write off the impact that Ben Hunt will have in the touches that he takes away in that Gareth Widdop is still involved in the crunch moments for the, you know, the team that is still scoring lots of points. Yeah. And just to going back to support, we you've just said there as well about the consistency. So last year he scored over 60 points in 52% of games and then the years before that, it was only 29%, 35%, 38%, and 21%. So last year was a real um, you know, improvement in his consistency, and hopefully that's something that um, we can see going forward this year. Uh, interestingly, though, mate, last year, he had a huge disparity between his performances at home versus away. So he averaged 93 points per yeah. game at home versus 55 points and a huge 109 points in four games at Cogra. Um, so that that is a little bit concerning, but... 
uh, at the end of the day, this is um, a game which is based on averages, not just uh, you know the the one game um, for the season. So um, you take your good and your bad in in some kind of context. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing to note here is that he's priced at six hundred and forty-seven k, and I think that is the most crucial number that we're talking about here because I don't think, despite the fact that I actually think he will back up last season and be very, very good, I don't think he's worth the price tag that he's currently at, which is the main you know, decision that people need to be making here. I think there's better value elsewhere and I think that goes to show with uh, you know his ownership numbers right now. So uh, what do you think? Are you willing to pay 647k for Widdop? No, I also think that he'll have quite a good season, um, but there's just too much value elsewhere, so I'll be steering clear uh, of Widdop. And, and another player that I'll be steering clear of is Sean Johnson, who was the second most expen- expensive half at 641. Um, yeah, I mean, similar to Widdop, he performs better um, at home in a way, and then the, the Warriors um, start the season with five games and then uh, you know open the, the season with a game in Perth, which um, for those that aren't aware, I think it's almost a six-hour time difference from uh, New Zealand. So it's a massively tough home game. So I couldn't possibly go near him at the moment. What about you? Uh, he currently sits in my team. Really? Wow. <laughs> and I think that, yeah. And the main reason is because how significantly his ownership has dropped in the past three or four weeks. Um, I think he is... Someone that I just mentioned before about that that stat sheet that I ran through with the last three seasons. SJ is comfortably the highest positioned half uh, alongside Milford. So, uh, you know, he's played 60 matches, 4,236 points and an average of 70.6 mm. over the past three years. And it's actually you know, even more impressive the further you go back. So uh, I know they play their... Th- first game in Perth they have a reasonably tough draw to start the year but for me I think what I've wanted to see in these trials is a is he kicking goals the answer is yes b how does this combination look with Blake Green and they look phenomenal from all reports on the weekend and and Green can be that calming influence that everyone was expecting Kieran Foran to be and allowing Sean Johnson to just uh, run rampant so at this stage I'm willing to pay up given that he's a pod Given that history and his scoring upside, uh, I think against weaker oppositions playing at home, he's a legitimate VC or C option every week. Yeah, and, and I mean just to, to second what you were saying at the start, so he he hasn't um, you know fallen under fifty percent for games over sixty points per game for three years now. So extremely consistent. Fifty six percent of his games last year were over sixty points, and then seventy one percent in two thousand sixteen. Uh, had a career best year last year with 72 points per game. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with what you're, um, or everything you're putting out there, mates. Um, but <laughs> for the very same reason, I think there's better value below, um, which is the reason why yeah, I'm not willing I, to fork out. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily disagree that there might be better value underneath. But, you know, what I was talking about before, I'm flipping my mentality this year about you know, I used to be a very, very much built around the likes of Fensom, Parker, Gallon. You know, to build Sonny Bill Williams to build up. You know, a, a bank of points that I could rely on every week as my main, you know, strategy moving forward. But we've got to flip with the times, and I think it's about getting the best out of value in the, you know, the solid performers in the likes of what we were talking about before: Takiyaho, Matt Scott. 
Robbie Rocco, those sort of guys, Matt Lodge. Uh, and for me, it's spending up on the guys who have 110-point upside every week. So that's that's the main reason why I'm starting to outlay a bit more cash on the likes of Sean Johnson. Fair enough. And speaking about a guy that does have 110-point upside, Anthony Milford, he's the third um, on our list. Um, the concerning thing for me, mate, is that um, the Broncos only play, I think, three of their opening eight games at Suncorp. And, and he averages 83 points per game there versus 52 points per game. Um, so that, to me, is ruling him out. And it's also impacting uh, from me, me selecting any of the Broncos outside backs to start the season. I just think that it's not really what you want to see. I think that I'll definitely eventually own Milford, but, but I'll be avoiding him from the start. Yeah, it, he's also coming off uh, off-season shoulder surgery. That trial game on the weekend was the first time he's played. They've got a new-look left edge. Whether it's Corey Oates there or not, uh, you know, Tata Moga is gone. They've, they've got a, a new-look edge. How does that all settle in? They've got a new halves combination. Uh, you know, they don't have Darius Boyd to start the year, likely. They don't have Jack Bird to start the year, likely. All of these things impact... Uh, you know, Milf in terms of what he can offer. The, the thing is, he's just so good. You know, when he's at his best, and if we see that in the opening rounds, you just need to try and get him in as soon as possible. So whilst I think it's right to write him off for round one, uh, you've got to look to when he starts to go on that, that hot streak, you've got to get him in because he is someone that can take, particularly if you're an overall player, he can take you out of contention if you don't own him. No, I agree. So from round nine, the Broncos play, I think, three out of four games at home. So I'll be looking to hopefully um, jump on him at that stage, uh, assuming that my, my cows can um, mature by then. Um, and uh, I guess in his first, um, I think, you know, away games, he does face the Tigers and the Knights, and, and he's averaged 63 and 90 points per game, um, respectively, against those sides. So it's not a complete train wreck, but, um, yeah, he's probably a player that I'll be... Um, staying away from at this stage. And another player, I'm very, very negative about these guys, unfortunately, uh, Copes, but the next guy is Nathan Cleary. So, um, you know, he's been, not even sensational, he's been, quite frankly, unbelievable since he's come into the NRL. He's averaged 66 and 70 points per game since making his debut. Um, However, if you break down his 2017, he averaged a huge 80 points per game from round 11 compared to just 56 from rounds 1 to 10. And if you look at that mm. opening draw that he had last year, it's strikingly similar to the opening draw that he's going to have this year. So he's another one that I'm expecting to, to start slow, but um, you know, someone else that I wouldn't mind owning uh, for the run home. Yeah, how do you think the... I mean, before I chime in with my, I guess, opinion on this, what do you think the combination of uh, Moylan and... Maloney in does to Nathan Cleary? Uh, it's a good point. I'm not sure. I mean, we saw what Cleary did without Moylan towards the back end, and, and that was sensational. So I'm sure you've got some stats there to back it up. But, you know, um, it'd be interesting to see what the impact is that that uh, that, that uh, Maloney has. And, and what do you think, sorry, before you go on with um, what you have prepared, what do you think, or who do you think will be the goal kicking? Well, they've said themselves Maloney is not there to take the kicking duties away. Nathan Cleary will be the goal kicker. He's been the best goal kicker in the NRL the last two seasons. So I don't You're think right. that's even in question. Mm. Um, the, the thing for me is how quickly can they mesh? Uh, is Maloney, who's traditionally been a, a bit of a 
heritage rate hog, um, you know, and particularly in crunch time, Maloney is someone that in his teams that he's played in, uh, I know particularly as a Roosters fan, he was the guy that the Roosters went to when they needed something. Cleary has been that guy almost exclusively for the past two seasons for the Panthers, even when Matt Moylan has been in the lineup. So uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to get on board from the start just to see how much of an impact that has. Um, but all in all, I think Nathan Cleary is going to be an origin player this year as well, which is the one thing that isn't being talked about. Uh, I think Cleary will still be one of the best three halves um, in terms of super coach scoring. Uh, he will still be very good, um, but he, I think he will miss more games than he did in the past two seasons, given that I think he'll be the New South Wales number seven. Yeah, fair enough. And, and another interesting stat there too is he actually scored 11 tries last year. So can he can he back that up this year? Um, you know, it's always a, um, a very risky proposition to say that a player will um, back up their try scoring stats, particularly if they're not an, outs, uh, an outside back. So... Um, that's another kind of fundamental risk that I have with him. And, and yeah, for all the reasons that you've said, plus that, uh, I'll be sticking clear of Nathan Cleary to start the season. Uh, the next guy who I actually had in my side up until all the off-field stuff um, made the news a few weeks ago uh, is Cameron Munster. So he's 593,000, dual position, fullback, 5'8". I just absolutely loved what he's done so far with 67 average um, you know, in the halves, so I just don't. That didn't really have an impact from what he did at fullback with an average before that of sixty nine. You know, and he produces fifty percent of that from base. So there's a lot to like, and the loss of Cooper Cronk this year. You know, we'll see him take more of the playmaking responsibility on. However, you know, there are obviously the issues hovering around at the moment, and he also does. I feel have a lot less, of, lot less of a ceiling than the other guys as well. Fuck. Come on, mate. What are you doing backing out? You don't believe all that rubbish, do you? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but, I, yeah, it, it's just a tough one, right? It's, um, yeah, he, he's, he's someone that I've had in and out of my side for all of preseason. And, and um, the fact that he is um, dual positioned is certainly favourable. Yeah. And, I, look, I'm, I'm, you know, just joking about that. And I think the one thing that we know about Bellamy is that, if his players are on the field, they will, will play well. Uh, he, he has an ability to right the wrongs of people with off-field antics from other clubs and turn them into absolute jets uh, when they pull on that Storm jersey. And I think Cameron Munster is someone that's been unbelievable in those first couple of seasons, as you mentioned, uh, and has been waiting for his opportunity to be the main man in attack. And I think he really will be this season. So I'm, I'm not hesitant at all if I, I was... Picking him in my team, uh, which I'm not currently, uh, but I wouldn't even be thinking twice about the external stuff. Yeah. He's good enough that if he pulls on that jersey in a successful storm outfit, he will absolutely kill it. So if you've got him in your contention, back him in, pick him with confidence because Bellamy wouldn't have him on the park if he wasn't right to go. No, agree. And the uh, the flip side to what we're saying about um, Cleary as well. So, so Munster only scored the one try last year. So Plenty of upside yeah. there. Um, you know, obviously being in the halves, not fullback, there's going to be less opportunity. But, you know, heaps of um, upside. He doesn't kick goals, but, um, you know, when he's producing 30 points per game from base, it's not really um, that much of a concern. So, no, he's definitely one guy that's firmly in my sights, made as uh, my starting 5'8". And, uh, 
Unfortunately, or, or fortunately, um, with the guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later on with Connor Watson, if he wasn't around, that I probably would definitely have Munster and be running a, a dual gun 5 um, 8 role. So the next guy that we'll talk about is shifted clubs from your beloved Roosters, Mitchell Pearce. Um, mate, I was actually quite surprised when I had a look back at his past stats, how consistent he has been from a super coach perspective. So he's averaged 62 and 67 points per game across the past two seasons. So, you know, that in itself, you know, I think is quite surprising. What do you, how do you think he's going to go at the Knights? Yeah, I think the bad rap that he gets, particularly from, you know, anyone who loves Supercoach would be an Origin fan and love their, you know, particularly New South Wales. When it comes to Mitchell Pearce, it's been a negative connotation to his name, given that he hasn't quite gone to the heights for New South Wales that he does for the Roosters. So I'm not... Uh, not as surprised as you, given that I'm a Roosters fan. He's been exceptional at club level for, you know, going on five years now in terms of being a dominant half. So uh, I'm not surprised. I think he'll probably uh, take a while to get used to having not quite as strong a forward pack, uh, you know, and particularly edge forwards around him that can create space and tries and, and you know, things like that by themselves. Um, but he's a great organiser. He's got heaps of talent around him. It's just whether they can put it all t- together. But he makes a lot of tackles. He defends in the middle, which a lot of halves don't do. Um, and he actually runs the ball a lot more than uh, you know most halfbacks do. So, uh, you know, he's someone that's going to be solid, but I, su- I don't think he's in the category for Supercoach, given that he just doesn't have the goal kicking. He doesn't have the upside of scoring 100 points per week, which is what you really need. Yeah, and I mean, if you have a look at the games where he scored over 60 points per game uh, in the past two years, it's 58%, 52%. So if you're looking at a pod, that's not really the kind of the player that you want. You want someone that, you know, really can go big, um, you know, uh, a, fair, you know a fair bit of the time to, to make that difference. Otherwise, you just stick to some of the tried and true options. And, and the tried and true option this year for me, first player picked, and we've already spoken about him quite a bit, Jonathan Thurston, um, Probably the easiest selection I made this year, 536000 which is so cheap. Um, yes, he loses his dual status, but but with past averages of 70, 77, 82, and 76, lock him in. Honestly, I do not get why people want to get cute with this. You have been gifted an 130K discount on where this guy is at for his whole career. He's the best super coach playmaker in history. And there's a reason for that. I think the one thing that people are just looking past is when they play at home, JT, you know, particularly in games like Monday night games, he averages close to 100. You know, that stuff, you know, bringing home around for you as a captain on a Monday night against a, a weaker opposition or if they play on a Thursday or Friday night and they have home ground advantage, he's the perfect vice-captain option. But aside from all of that, I just think he's genuinely a class player. He's a, he's a class above pretty much everyone else in the competition. So uh, I didn't even hesitate. As soon as Supercoach opened, he was in my halfback slot and he won't move. Yep, 100%. And there's no origin duties this year, mate. And the uh, well, I've picked the Cowboys to win the flag. So um, I, I'm tipping him for a huge year. Um, and, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't think we need to talk much more about him. He's locked in. It's an easy selection. The, uh, funnily enough, yep. the, uh, the next guy, mate, is uh, my current 5'8 at the moment and has been 
for a fair while. Similar to Thurston, I think you're getting him at a huge amount of a discount. But Cody Walker, dual 5'8", fullback. Um, if you look at his 2017 season, it really needs to be broken down into two halves. So the first 14 games he played in the halves and averaged 66. The second, um, his eight games for fullback where he averaged 49. He's not going to be playing fullback this year. He's locked into the halves and... He did more of an more than enough on on uh, Saturday night to um, you know to cement his position in my side. He's got a huge amount of upside. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. the The one thing he's always had is you know injuries around him, and he's had Greg Inglis go down in game one last year. He's had Adam Reynolds play probably less than half the games alongside him as a, a halves combination. Uh, he's come in and played fullback. He's played five eight. He's played in the halves at times, you know, with you know rookies or guys that you know are makeshift halves. And I think what he's done throughout his career is shown that he's got tackle busting ability. He runs the ball. He's elusive. You know that Charity Shield game on the weekend, no one could lay a hand on him. It was incredible to watch. And I think with the you know fully healthy roster, uh, you know, hopefully a Sam Burgess led forward that are going to be quite dominant. Uh, I think Cody Walker is absolutely underpriced. And at 4.5% ownership, uh, I think you are striking gold there. And if he starts the season as well as he did last season, you're going to be off to a fantastic start because of it. Oh, mate, yeah. And that that, uh, ownership percentage is another one of the key reasons why it's locked into my price. So hopefully starting with him and um, JT saving, you know, $100,000... Um, here or there on some of the more expensive that can set me up well. And the interesting stat with Walker is that he performs better away from home than um, at home with 70 points per game in nine games in the halves last year. Um, you know, that's that's pretty awesome. And, and I think they play um, five of the first eight this year, um, you know, away. So I think that's that's also another factor. But, um, yeah, at the price, I'm, um, I'm keen on, on going towards him this season. Uh, the next guy um, I haven't really thought too much about, and I was burned pretty hard by him last year, but uh, Matthew Moylan. So he uh, moves from Penrith to the Sharks, kicked goals in the first trial, but then I think lost that to Townsend second up. Yeah, I mean, I just can't go there after last year, mate. Picking him at his, um, when he was his highest point in his price, when he was averaging 97 points per game and then just fell off a cliff and, and then also found his way <laughs> out of uh, Penrith. So... Yeah, I just can't go there. But uh, what about you? Is there any interest at all in, in the new Sharks recruit? Oh, I love it. it. That is one of the great things that I love about Supercoach is the, the pain that a certain player can put you under. Uh, you know, when you're looking at the following season or even, you know, the back end of a season after someone's burnt you, it's uh, it's bloody hard to look past, isn't it? Uh, but, yeah, I think the, the, the interesting thing to see is going to be how he meshes with that team. They, they've obviously got you know, huge point scoring upside. They're one of the better teams in the competition. They have a huge forward pack, which Moylan is going to love playing behind, much like he, he did at Penrith. Um, but I just don't know how big his role is going to be and how much playmaking duties he's going to have because Chad Townsend is very underrated. They have lots of forwards that create tries for them with offloads. And particularly, uh, Wade Graham takes over a large portion of kicking in general play and also you know, running plays for them down that left edge. So uh, I'm not sure whether Moylan, you know, if James Maloney can't average more than sort of 55 in, in a season as a goal kicker and, you know, the 
chief playmaker. I'm not sure that Moylan can have more of an impact than that. Yeah. Too much uncertainty there, plus Josh Dugan and Paul Gallen stealing all the hit-ups as well. Um, I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be staying away from Moylan. Uh, okay, let's talk about your boy, mate, Luke Keery. You uh, spoke about him in the intro. Uh, he's a guy that I just couldn't possibly buy now, um, considering his price and you know the other players we've, we've um, already spoken through obviously had a breakout year this year. You seem pretty optimistic. Yeah, I just think that you know my optimism comes from what Tedesco does to left edges, <laughs> and you know how exciting the left edge was even without him there. I think you know you look at the names of Tupo, Latrell Mitchell, Boyd Cordner, and then you add in you know James Tedesco floating down that edge alongside Luke Geary holding the ball, and you've got you know teams that are going to be absolutely shaking in their boots trying to defend that. So uh, it excites me what the prospects can be. Can he go higher than a 59-point average from last year? I'm not so sure. Uh, but what we do know is that he's good enough to keep that going for a full season now. And if he's someone that's in your pod contention for the back half of the year after seeing how well he might play, then that's when he comes into contention for me. Uh, and I think you, know, you certainly don't start the year with him, but he's got the prospects of... From from the start of last year where we thought he's going to be a good cheapie to make a bit of cash and score okay to being in that pod category. I think that's been a great result for the Roosters given they got him for cheap. Yeah, they did get him for cheap. And someone who isn't uh, cheap anymore, both um, Supercoach and also in real life, Michael Morgan, um, he's another player that I, I've heard some whispers about. The people are um, you know, saying that he looked really good on Friday night and, and keen as a pod. Um, but the simple fact for me is that he averaged 67 points per game without um, JT um, last year uh, and then, you know, only averaged uh, 59 points per game for the whole season. So I won't go near him unless JT is out. Yeah, I, well, I think the the hard thing is is you don't know how much... There's been all this chat about you know, Morgan played that well last year that they're going... They, investing in him as their franchise player moving forward. And I think that's a great decision by the Cowboys because he's been phenomenal. When he's played in Origin, you know, when he's played in grand finals and come up with the flick pass that, that creates historical tries and things like that. But ultimately, when it comes to the crunch, JT is the man. So I, I can see Morgan still scoring very well. He'll have, you know, 100-point games in there. But the games where he finished the season last year with... 65, 38, 90, 77 and 77 as the main man in that attack, I can see those numbers coming down by 15 on the most part with the odd high game in there. So uh, for me, it's just not worth it. Yep, no, I agree. So with the games that he, with JT last year, I think he scored 33, 80, 24, 32, 59 and 24. So uh, compared to what he did for the rest of it. So no, not for me. Um, okay, mid-prices. So this can... Um, this can either make or break your season, I think, Copes. It's uh, the 300,000 to 500,000 um, target range. Uh, the first one is just a clear no from me, um, Ashley Taylor. So it looks like he's going to be um, losing his goal-kicking duties to, to Michael Gordon, playing in a side that looks at complete dire straits at the moment. So he has 2% ownership and, and it's not someone that I'll be going anywhere near. No, and it's a shame because I think he's, Potentially, alongside Nathan Cleary, the most exciting young halfback in the game. Um, had he had the goal-kicking duties in tow, 
because he's very good at it, but also what it does to your supercoach average. He was going to be in contention, uh, you know, for that third 5'8 slash halfback role. He's obviously now just halfback, but at the end of last season, he was someone that I was, you know, very keen on looking at to start the year with this season. But yeah, as you mentioned, he's out of contention given the up and down nature of that side in general, but no goal kicking duties means he's just, he's not going to be good enough. Yep, I agree. Okay, so let's talk about the uh, the Eels halves now. We can look at them in combination. Uh, Corey Norman starts at 469, 500, and then Mitchell Moses said a little bit cheaper at 455. Um, so Norman's season last year is similar to um, Cody Walker's broken down into two because it's pre-Moses and then after Moses. So pre-Moses, Norman was averaging, I think, uh, over 60 points per game, and then afterwards... When Moses arrived, it was 46 points per game. So Moses is there, and I've been burnt uh, like many before with Norman uh, previously. I think he's a bit of a hoax from a super coach perspective, so I won't be going near him. But um, plenty of um, coaches are going towards Moses. I think he's he's owned by over 26% of all teams at the moment. And um, you know, with what he did to the boards the back end of last year, that's not really a surprise. Yeah, man, it sounds like you're talking a biblical story there, pre-Moses and after Moses. <laughs> uh, but I, I think the uh, yeah, the one thing for me is that I own Corey Norman from almost the start of the season last year, just purely to do with the buy coverage. And boy, am I glad that we don't need to worry about things like that anymore. We can just pick the players that we really want because Corey Norman is a fantastic NRL player uh, and he has some really big games in him. But really... You, you can't be picking halves without the goal-kicking duties these days unless they're in the, you know, Cody Walker, Cameron Munster echelon and, and Corey Norman is not in that. So, for me, for that reason alone, he's off the list. Mitchell Moses is a, a very interesting one. It, that stat article that we mentioned earlier on that uh, I, I looked into numerous players over a long period of time, but in this case, looking at Moses's career averages at the Tigers... And then to when he came to the Eels, it's pretty phenomenal. And, you know, one of the great things to look at to project how someone is going to go this year is looking at their post-origin splits. Uh, And Moses' numbers were incredible, really. 14 matches, 788 points at 56. But the last six rounds after origin, he had scores of 110, 110, 33, 110, 53 and 31 for an average of 74.5. So that to me is a good indication of, you know, maybe that's a bit over the top in terms of what we can expect over a full season, but he's someone that has it in him to be in that top echelon of players and he's only priced at 454K. So uh, if you're looking for a cut price gun that could potentially go off and, and be a keeper for the season, Moses is definitely in that category. Yeah, and so just harping on his price, so it is at a 51 average. And, you know, if you look at what he did over that back end, and I've got the the stats for the last eight games here where he averaged 68 points per game. Um, so he really turned it on when he started at the Eels. So, yeah, I, I can fully see why um, he is very popular. And, and if it wasn't for, you know, a uh, someone like a, a, a Cody Walker who I'm a little bit keener on, um, then maybe Moses might be in my side. So but can you just tell me, and I, I just don't understand, but the Eels play Tigers, Panthers, Manly twice within an eight-week period. Yeah, I, I am 
bemused by how the draw all works. I've looked at numerous different nuances of teams, who they play. There's teams who play back-to-back either side of origin and things like that. It just it doesn't really make any sense to me. But uh, the one thing that I, I will stress about the draw and, and looking at, oh, he's got an easy matchup or, oh, he's got a, a hard start to the season or an easy start to the season is just be careful because, uh, you know, throwing all your eggs into a basket because they've got a great start to the year based off last year's table positions. Uh, a, lot, a lot of teams turn over a lot of different players. They work on different structures in preseason, uh, you know, a team that maybe finished 15th last year doesn't mean they won't be a top four team this year. So uh, that's just one thing to keep an eye on. But yeah, I agree, mate. It's it's bloody strange how it works sometimes. <laughs> mm. So the depth doesn't stop there with the mid prices this year. It, it's it's actually really um, really nice. There, there's plenty of um, potential options that are below that top echelon of um, of pricing. And the next two guys particularly um, you know fit that that uh, that category with Cody Nikarima. Uh, and Moses and by so Cody Karima at 435 so he's going to be taking over the starting halfback position this year with Hunt moving on to the Dragons and and last year he averaged 61 points per game in 10 games that he started and played 80 minutes in the half so that's a, a pretty solid sample size and um, it's scary to think what a, a Nikarima and Milford combination is going to be the Broncos going forward. Yeah I feel like you might have a bit of Brisbane bias going on here uh, because I I just don't know if he's got it in him to be a dominant half over a full season. So that that little package that we saw last year was, you know, very impressive, and, and it is a solid sample size. Uh, but as a halfback, taking the attention of opposition big men for a full season, um, I'm just not 100% sure that I back him in. And when it's in that mid-price bracket. I feel like I need to be 100% sure or at least, you know, a 95% sure that, that he's going to be able to play or we've got a bank of knowledge big enough to say, say that he can withstand that um, on the most part. He's exciting. He's definitely got upside uh, in a team that Wayne Bennett, no doubt, will have playing well. Uh, it just, to me, it seems like it might be too much of a risk. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, I think that, that, you know, the 10 games is a relatively big, um, sample sizes we have seen, but let's see what he does over the the whole season. Um, you know, yeah. and, and I think his stats quite year are good, but you know he's still young, still developing. So let's see what, see what happens. Um, a guy yeah. that has been in the system for a fair while, Moses Mbai, looks like he's going to be playing uh, from fullback this year. So um, you know that to me just says that there is uh, a fair bit of uh, upside potential in his super coach output. And for a guy that was averaging 27 points per game base stats from the halves, um, you know, I think that's pretty exciting about potentially what Mbai can do this year. Yeah, well, I agree. And uh, I guess what I didn't allude to with when we talk about Nick Arima and wanting to have confidence in him is sometimes when you go in this mid-price bracket, you're taking a fly. You're throwing a dart that you hope will land. And I, I guess in that instance, some of the like Moses and Bai really excites me far more than Cody Nikarima. Far cheaper. He's got much more upside given the positional switch um, and the upside that you mentioned. Will Hopawati's numbers in base stats last year were incredible. Uh, and on the most part, it was because of the way they structure coming out of defence, but also, um, you know, in attack, the, the role of the fullback. So, and by Dean Pay has said that they want to turn it loose on attack, in attack. So, 
if Mbai is going to be at the at the forefront of that, we know he's a quality playmaker. So most fullbacks, you know, that are ball hogs and like to run the ball themselves don't have defences ready for the pass. But Mbai, he's definitely going to have that on his side because he's a great ball player um, and he's certainly got upside. So 382k. I don't have him in currently, but if Teamless Tuesday doesn't fall my way, he's someone that is in the frame to downgrade uh, either a fullback or a half to, you know, take a flyer on him. Yeah, mate, I'm in the same boat. The more I look at and by the more that uh, I'm thinking that he's a seriously good pick. But um, as um, Joe Fitz has said, being a loyal Bulldogs fan that he is, is you know, you can't really pick, <laughs> you can't really pick any of the Bulldogs players uh, with a great amount of confidence this year. Uh, until we see what DP is going to do. So maybe he's yep. just a, a sit and wait and we'll see what happens. Um, okay, let's go into the, the, the back end here, Baze. We start to look at the, the cheaper options and there's only three players that uh, that I've got on my list to talk through, but if there's any others, just jump in. And I think we've all spoke, we've spoken through all of them so far, so this should be pretty quick. But Connor Watson, um, you know, looks like he's going to be playing 80 minutes and a half for the Knights, um, averaging 56 points per game there last year in seven games where he played the 80 minutes, um, I think at fullback and in the half. So he's a lock in my side at 287000 at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think provided that, you know, a lot of these cheapies that we don't think will be named in the centres and in the front row, someone like Connor Watson is a great entry point into a cheap guy that can potentially average 50 or maybe even more in a perfect world. Um, in, a t- in a team that's going to go pretty well, we think, this year. So, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I think he's waited his, waited his, he's done his apprenticeship uh, at the Roosters and, and in the Auckland Nines last year, he was phenomenal in the Roosters winning that and he was the player of the tournament. So, I'm excited to see what he can produce yes. full-time in a, in a 5-8 role. Yeah, no, agree. Uh, Bryce Cartwright... Um, every man and his dog has him this year with over 50% ownership. So, again, not a player we need to spend too much time on, but um, there was lots going on with him last year, and, and I think we can just completely um, ignore the season that was 2017 and look back onto you know, 2016 where you know he averaged 82 points per game from the halves but then still averaged 73 points per game. Uh, on the edge in 10 games. So I think that's definitely the more the type of player he is. He's going to um, hog the crap out of the ball, I think, at the Titans as well. Um, he will do a lot of attack. Uh, with Ryan James, you know, doing a lot of defence, um, I can see that um, that Cartwright is going to almost play that second fly-half pretty much the whole time. Yep, totally agree, mate. Lock him in. The Cardi Party's a hot ticket in town again, and... Don't be that guy that's that's waiting on the outside trying to buy a ticket after everyone's on board. <laughs> I, I honestly think that the 75-point to 80-point upside, you can't find in this price bracket. So just that's enough. Yeah. Lock him in. Lock him in. Lock away the key. Although the interesting thing I'd say with him is where do you pick him? Do you pick him in the second row or a 5-8? Um, uh, it, may, it, some, it could make some sense to, to pick him at 5-8, but the big concern I have is how do I then trade him out um, or upgrade him if need be? Um, if he is only producing 60 points per game, you need to, to move him on because there's not really that many other dual second-row forward 5-8s. Yeah, I, I think it'll be one that you, you lock him in. My thought process is to have him in the second row to start with, with an eye on him potentially being my other gun 5-8 for the run home. Uh, and 
ideally it's Connor Watson fattens up as a cow. You then sell him to a gun second rower and move cart right down there. Uh, or you go the option of holding him there until after origin in the second row and you build up with, you know, someone like uh, Sean Johnson that you can then switch to, to, to halfback and move cart right down. So I, I just, I think there's less upside in the second row for fast earners. So that's where I want to get him in, given that he can jump straight up to a gun status very quickly if you want to sell him to someone else. But for me, it's let Connor Watson fatten uh, and then move him on with Cartwright then sliding down. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, mate. It's, um, it's a good good way of putting it. And then the last guy, Lachlan Croker, didn't do too much on the weekend. And um, there is some talk about Todd Carney coming along to, to the Seagulls as well. So his selection... Um, is just completely dependent on Teamless Tuesday. Yep, absolutely. It, it's plain and simple. Literally, if he's named at 5'8", you've got to pick him. There's there's no issue there. People need to make room for him, pick him and, and move on. And that's all we, uh, we're going to run through with the halves, mate. So I think we've got through a, a fair amount of detail and, and looked at quite a, a number of players. So I think... Um, we, we've covered it well and um, are good to move on now. So let's just have a quick break and then we'll come back to, to close out. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right. So as we said at the start of the show, the next seven days is going to be super, super busy. And I know, Copes, that you're going to have your hands full, not only from a, a cricket point of view, but, um, you know, you guys at the Daily Telegraph have got stacks coming up. You wrote a great stats piece um, recently. Um, what's what's the plan, mate? What can we all look forward to over the, the coming week? Yeah, well, the great thing is that the, the Daily Telegraph have been pumped out you know 40 plus articles a week of content that's coming from numerous different sources and the stuff that I look after in or from now until teamless Tuesday but also then ongoing throughout the season the stat attack uh, we've got the captain's article and then I'll also look at the perfect eight uh, which is you know jackpotted this year there's some weekly prizes now which is fantastic um, and then also the most important one is the cheapy Bible. So we're going to, I'm going to pump out a post teamless Tuesday cheapy Bible. Uh, and also, you know, moving forward, that's going to be really crucial because the one thing you can't do is miss out on the right cheapies. So I think that's, if you're going to look out for any article from me over the next few weeks, it's, it's definitely that one to make sure you've got the right cheapies in your side. Yep. And um, what, do, what do you guys have planned during the regular season? Uh, well, as I mentioned, lots of stuff going on. We've got uh, uh, upwards of 40 articles per week, as I mentioned. Um, the, the stuff that's going to be pumped out this year is, is basically what everyone's been asking for. The telly put out a survey in terms of what you want to see each week, which has been great. Um, Tommy Sangster is always on Twitter, as am I, sledging people and, you know, getting sledged myself more often than not. Um, but it, it's good fun. What we want is people to be interactive. Tell us what you want. 
you know, hit us up on Twitter or on the comments section of each story and tell us, you know, what stats do you want to see, um, you know, and then on the live show, which is the other main thing we've got going every week is we've got the live countdown show every Thursday night before kickoff. Uh, it's a great way to get involved and ask questions, uh, let us help you out with your trades and things like that. Um, but ultimately, we're, we're just so keen to get into this season. It's been a long time coming now. I sort of want to fast forward this next seven days and, and just get into it. Yeah, mate, and, um, you know, I know we've got a, a nice little competitive league going now too, so that's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see who comes trumps with a mixture of the NRL Supercoach Talk and Daily Telegraph boys, so that's going to be plenty of fun, and, and yeah, we're going to have lots of articles, but there's so much Supercoach content at the moment, it's fantastic, and I've really enjoyed reading not only yours, but Tommy and, and the rest of the guys' stuff, so keep it going, it's all fantastic, and uh, the podcast is also great as well, so... Um, mate, it's been a huge show and, and really, really appreciate the time taken for you to come on and, um, you know, always welcome here, you know that. So, yeah, thank you very much and, and hopefully you guys have, uh, have enjoyed the podcast. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, mate. You guys do a fantastic job. The site is it's such a great resource for, you know, beginners but also the, the, the nuts that want to go in and get in there and interact every day and talk coach. So I think you guys have done a fantastic job. It's getting better and better from all aspects, you know, whether it's the Telegraph or you guys. So it's a credit to you all. So I'll, I'll be back in on the podcast whenever. More importantly, though, I'm going to win that Supercoach League that we're in and I'm going to take plenty of stake bets off you this year as well. Well, we'll see there, mate. It's very competitive. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a few stake bets that need to get repaid. But, mate, as I said, it's been a long podcast. So let's call it there. Thank you very much for coming on again. Cool. And thanks all you guys for, for listening and, and see you next time.